I had a purpose for each run that I was doing and to carve out that time so I could just need to be more organized and I was getting up early and doing most of my runs, you know, before the boys would wake up. So, Welcome back to the next episode of the Trail Running Women podcast. I am really excited to get this one out today because I actually just had the pleasure of running with this guest and meeting them in person. So we have Lindsay from the island who was recommended to me by a few listeners because she just planned a 100k solo race to raise money for a former student of hers, Quinn, who has muscular dystrophy. She has raised over $100,000. They're actually really close to $102,000. So head over right now to GoFundMe and search Going the Distance for Quinn. It's really easy to find. Um, And donate if you can, if you're able. Everything helps. And they had to make motivation modifications to the house so that he could live a comfortable life in the wheelchair and um, obviously that is super expensive so this was just such an amazing thing for Lindsay to do but beyond that what I loved in getting to know her on our run too is she's another person who is really active in her family life if you follow her on Instagram she's doing so many cool things with her kids she has a great marriage I think they've been together for like 12 years which I was like oh my god I'm struggling at three and still training for 100Ks and is really, really fast. So I always get a little frustrated when people are like, oh, I can't because I don't have time or I want to be a good mom or I want to be successful at work. Lindsay's also a super successful teacher. So it just shows that there's ways to do these things if it's important to you. So I love hearing these stories of people who are like, nope, you can do it. You just have to have some focus. So um, breaking down that barrier that you can have a family and have two young kids and still run 100K and do it really well. So we're also running Finlayson together. She will be doing the 28K um, fresh, So and she's already probably quite fast. So um, yeah, I'll probably see her for two and a half seconds, and then off she goes. So I'm stoked to get this one out. And again, I will link to the GoFundMe in the show notes, but please do head over there if you can. That would be amazing. Thanks to everybody who's on Patreon. You can find that on my Instagram at hillsport55. Uh, loving interacting with you guys. They kicked me out because I don't know my password, so I'll have to figure that out. And thank you so much to everybody who's leaving ratings and reviews. And again, I mainly see the ones in Canada, but I found the American ones and the Australian and the English ones on Chartable um, and stoked to see the feedback from everybody. Thank you and goodbye. Okay, I'm here today with Lindsay, who is currently in Victoria, and we were just chatting before the show. You said you were recommended by... Brittany, but you probably don't know this. I actually had two other people after you finish your run reach out and say that we should chat. So you've been recommended by many listeners. So thank you so much. We're chatting on a Sunday and I know it's time out of your weekend and you've got family things and I'm sure school wrapping up. So thank you so much for taking the time and welcome to the show. Yes, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. I'm excited to chat. So As you know from uh, listening to a few episodes, we just like to start with a bit of a background. So why don't we, um, actually, you know what? Yours is kind of different because I wanted to get into this amazing event that you just did. So why don't you start with what the 100K was that you did and what you did it for, and then we'll we'll kind of go back and then get more into detail for for your 100K. For sure. Yeah. So um, on June 5th, I ran 100K with a goal of raising $100,000 for one of my former students, Quinn. And Quinn um, was diagnosed earlier on with muscular dystrophy, which is a neuromuscular muscle wasting disease. So it basically breaks down 
his muscles and um, obviously his life expectancy is much shorter than that of, you know, an average teenager. He's 16 now and um, he's going through lots of changes and with his health, he's had to make some different accommodations with um, having a power wheelchair and just his mobility is really um, challenging for him at times. So what I thought um, I could do to help him and his family is they needed some support financially to make some adjustments and changes in their home um, and do a big renovation essentially so that it could be accessible for him. So that was my my big goal for doing the 100K was to raise awareness for muscular dystrophy and for Quinn and his family and to really get um, our community on board with helping them out for, you know, something that they really do need. It wasn't a want, it was a need. Wow. That's, that's pretty amazing and pretty impressive. And how much money did you guys end up raising? So we are at just under $102,000, which it still like blows my mind. I kind of like pinched myself thinking, you know, I'm setting this huge goal, but like it actually happened. So not only the running part of it, but that fundraising piece, because, you know, you put it out into the universe and then when it happens, it's, you know, just such a nice, um, nice surprise because you obviously hope for that to happen, but um, you can't control all those variables. And I, I was very new to fundraising, so I wasn't too sure what that would look like. But yeah, we just had tons of support from our community and friends and family. And it was just such an amazing experience. And to be able to um, hand over that, you know, $102,000 to the Chatelies just feels amazing. No kidding. Well, congrats. I have fundraised before myself and I know how, like, it sounds so common, but when you get into it, you're like, oh, there's definitely a huge amount of work and like strategy to it. So you're trying to train for this 100K as well as hit your fundraising goal um, is a lot to take on, never mind being a teacher during COVID. So, and a mom. <laughs> the, list, the list goes on. So yeah, I want to see a few months. Yeah, I can imagine. I want to know um, so much about this 100K and your training and what was the deciding factor for you. But before we get into that, why don't we back up and tell us if you were a runner growing up or an athlete and how outside of your comfort zone was running 100K? Yeah, so growing up, I was always athletic. And I mean, I grew up swimming competitively in the summers and I would play ringette, which most people have never heard of, but it's like hockey. It's for girls. You use a stick without a blade at the end and you use like a rubber ring, same kind of concept as hockey. So it is on the ice. Um, but I sort of had the, my summer and winter sports and then I did a few like, you know, basketball and dance and that sort of stuff, not super seriously, but I was always busy doing something. And when I came to university, I had kind of stopped my competitive swimming and wasn't really involved in any hockey or ringette at the time. And so I thought, I need to do something, um, especially with, you know, they call it the freshman 15. I was like, well, I'm enjoying life in, in a different way and I need to do something to be healthy and, and active. So that's where I kind of picked up running. And um, it's not like it didn't come easy. Um, it just it was like something I'd kind of go and do like a 5K or whatever. It wasn't something that I trained for seriously at that time. And then it wasn't until probably about my, I don't know, third year of university that I decided I was going to um, do like in Victoria, we have the Royal Victoria Marathon. And so there's the 8K and the half marathon and the full marathon event. And it's like Thanksgiving weekend. It's a big event here and lots of people come out for it. So I decided I'm going to commit to doing the 8K one year or my third year of university. And then 
the half marathon when I'm in my fourth year and then, you know, finish off for my fifth year with the full. So I never run anything longer. Like it was kind of each year building on it. Um, but then when I did that marathon, marathon, I was hooked and it was like, this is something that I love. And then it became that, you know, trying to train for Boston and, and qualify and, and then doing a bunch of other marathons. And then I would say probably within, I don't know, three or four years of running on the road primarily. Um, I had some friends kind of say, Oh, but have you like checked out these trails? And I was like, what, like trail running, what is this? And so sure enough that, um, you know, I got introduced to trails that way and had done a few kind of trail events, um, in Washington. And then of course we have our local one here, the Finnelson arm race that I've done a few times, but, um, yeah. So now I've sort of dabbled in a little bit of the road and trail and the longest run that I had done leading up to the hundred K or race, I should say would have been a 50 miler. And that was before kids. So we're talking like probably eight years ago or 10 years ago, something like that. Um, so I hadn't, my legs were basically off of a, probably a marathon or a 50 K was the, the longest that I had done more seriously in the last few years. So a few things there that are side notes, but if you are 36 and you played ringette in Coquitlam, the chances of us playing ringette against each other are like 99.9%. That's hilarious. What team did you play for? Um, I played for Delta and then there was the AA Team BC team. That okay. If you played on that team, you also had to play on your house team because there wasn't enough um, people otherwise to have the house league be good. Do you know what I mean? Of course. I totally know. Do you remember all yeah. this? <laughs> all these I, uh, yes. <laughs> Just like yesterday. That's yeah. so funny. There's so many people when I speak about ring out, they're like, what? And it's like such a foreign concept. So it's really hilarious to meet somebody that's like, oh, I actually played. And you're like, that never happens. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Coquitlam always had a really good team, actually. I remember you guys. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we flip-flopped. It was like I was on like an A team and then it, there'd be a shuffle and then like, I would be the oldest in the group and then we'd be on a C team, right? It was like totally. every other year we were kind of like had a pretty decent crew. Like black and yellow fun. or something, I think. Yes. The gold. Yeah. Yeah. I was into my hockey and ringette. That's for sure. That's too funny. Um, so yeah. And then I can totally relate. Like you go to school and even if you are being athletic, suddenly you're eating differently and eating at a cafeteria with endless amounts of food and all of your friends and everything changes. Um, and that's uh -huh. how a lot of people do find kind of fitness to realize that like, it's not just built into your kid life sports anymore. The fact that you had done 50 miles and everything, even though you haven't run them recently, did it feel like it kind of came back naturally with how, how to train for this or what was your game plan when you decided to do this as far as how long you thought you needed or what your training was going to be like. Cause as you said, you hadn't um, trained with small children, which I always find is a totally different ball game. It sure is. It's like a, a entirely different way to train. Like I feel like you're much more focused in your training and you don't um, you don't waste time. Like there's no crap runs. I mean, sure you might feel crappy, but you're not going out and it's not junk miles. It's like, I'm going out with a purpose on each of my runs, even if that's like, this is an easy run and this is my tempo run. And this is, you know, going out for my long, slow run. Like I had a purpose for each run that I was doing and to carve out that time. It's like, you just need to be more organized. And I was getting up early and doing most of my runs, you know, before the boys would wake up. So 
um, I'm sure, you know, you can relate with trying to juggle all of that um, with children. But yeah, I feel like leading up to the run, I didn't really know, like I did reach out to um, kind of my network of trail running friends. And then one of my really good friends, her um, friend, they, like, he's such an amazing trail runner in the interior. And so he offered to build me a training plan, which was huge because I kind of had just sort of said, well, I'm going to wing it, right. I'm going to gradually increase my distance. But he was really good about like, okay, make sure they're like long, slow runs. Like don't try to push the pace and um, just helped me to train really smart and to really focus on those recovery runs and, and having days off, like all that, that I think you can get caught up in having too many miles. Like, I don't think there were very few weeks that I ran a hundred kilometers, which is says a lot when you're training for a hundred K run. Um, and having not done anything else other than the 50 miler, like I, I don't think I maybe would have overtrained if I didn't have that guidance. So, um, yeah, I, I sort of had thought about this idea in December, I had reached out to the Shadleys, um, that's Quinn's family to see if, you know, they were open to this and, you know, we had back and forth and planning the fundraising part of it. And then it was like, Oh, I actually need to plan the running part of it. So that sort of came over the next few months, like January, February, I was kind of doing like recon runs, trying to figure out how I'm going to make this loop. And um, yeah, it just, it sort of all fell together. So yeah, I want to talk about more of that moment. Okay. So you find out that um, they need to do some renovations at, at Quinn's house and try to make things better for him. And you obviously really want to help. What was your relationship to Quinn at that time? How long had you known him? And what was there a particular moment or something that made you think, oh, this is what I can do and this will have an impact? Yeah, so it's really funny because, I mean, with COVID, I think people dealt with it really differently. And of course, for me, like I still had running as kind of my outlet and as much as I love running with people, it was like I had a lot of solo running time during that kind of, you know, those few months that when COVID was really crazy. Um, so this was kind of like I wanted to to run for a purpose. Like that was what came to me in, you know, one of my runs that I was doing solo. And and then I was like, well, what is like meaningful? What What do I feel like I need to do? And it was something about, you know, needing to spread positivity in this time that is just feeling so heavy and so dark and really hard for people. And I know there's so many worthy causes out there, but it just felt really right to know Quinn and his family. And um, I mean, as a teacher, like we teach so many amazing kids and there's lots of kids that really just stick out to you, right? Like you make that connection and you just stay connected. And so um, I've been lucky enough to kind of stay connected with Quinn's mom, Trisha through Facebook and kind of see like him growing up over the years. So it's not like we were talking all the time. It was like, I could see what was happening in their lives. And, you know, we ran into each other at a gym, like before COVID and it was just like, we'd sort of reconnected in that way. Um, so just knowing like they're not a family that would ever go and ask for help, um, even though they really needed this they're very humble and gracious and like they were happy to accept um, me kind of advocating for them. But I think, you know, that's a hard thing to say yes to. So yeah, just at the end of the day, they were, they were so thrilled to um, allow me to help them out. Um, 
<laughs> now I've lost my train of thought. I don't even know what your question was. No, you answered it. I just asked, like, how long had you known Quinn? Was he in your class this year? But it sounds like he was in your class in previous years. Yeah, so I taught Quinn um, when he was in grade four, and that would have been about seven years ago. Um, so yeah, we've kind of kept in touch over the years, but not, not like more recently got reconnected. Wow. That's amazing. I didn't realize it was so long ago. That kind of Mm -hmm. makes it extra cool. Um, yeah. yeah, And sometimes these things are just meant to be right. Like something just reminds you of it. And I like, yeah, what you said, run with purpose. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us, like that was such a, a common topic through COVID was like kind of finding your why and, some people realized it was like you said, also for the social interaction or for health or just for the love of being outside. But, um, also things, many things like this came up where it can go so far beyond just like racism and competing and like trying to show that you're fast or something. So it's cool to find out how it resonated with everyone. So you're going for a run. And that's funny. That's kind of what I assume too, because that's when I like you know, I solve all the world's problems out for a run, as I'm sure many people do. It's you one go of our best ideas, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so you decide that, and then I imagine you go home and tell your husband that you're gonna try to raise a hundred thousand dollars and run a hundred k. What was his response to that? Well, I mean, it didn't happen like that overnight. Like I was like, I kind of toyed with the idea, and I was like, oh, I want to do something meaningful. What is it going to be? Like, who's it going to be for? Like, and I, I didn't even know that it was like 100K at that point. Um, and then I think it was, it was another run. I was chatting with a friend and I was like sharing the idea. And he sort of said, like, I think initially I was saying, I'm going to do a run and I want to raise $50,000. And he's like, well, why 50? Like, what's the number? Right. And I'm like, I don't know. I just feel like that's attainable. Like, I, I feel like 50 is still a lot. And it's funny because, you know, I'm not asking for money for myself, but it still felt a little bit selfish. Like, I know that sounds strange, but you're like, that's a lot of money. And to have the expectation that people are going to support you and, you know, the time that we're in, like people have lost jobs with COVID and are really struggling in other ways. And so I kind of felt like, oh, 50,000 seems like an okay amount. But he really encouraged me to think a little bit bigger and, and push to that 100,000. And then it just seemed fitting like 100 for 100. Like it kind of had a bit of a ring, you know? Totally. I love that. Um, and so then you guys settle on 100. Uh, and then what did you think? Like, what did you do first? When did you want to give yourself the timeline to have enough time to train? But also, how long did you think you were going to have to fundraise? And how did you start to figure out how to go about that process? Uh, well, I knew that I couldn't manage the fundraising piece on my own in terms of like collecting money. Like it couldn't be just like a, like kind of a girl guides thing. Right. I was like, I need to really be clear about it's going to be kind of managed by something or somebody else. And that's when I looked to the GoFundMe and that's also, I mean, kind of been a more, um, streamlined, popular way of doing fundraising, um, nowadays. And so that has been just a huge, like bonus to have that because it's alleviated some of the extra like management that I would have had to do I mean I don't even know how I would have fundraised that amount of money without having that something established like that um but that was sort of I initially I think started that in maybe January and kind of got that up and running and then the intention was that it would just remain open until we did the run 
And then of course now, like we still have it open. We'll probably um, keep it open for a little while longer, like throughout the summer and then close the GoFundMe. But um, that was the fundraising goal. And then as far as running and planning that, that was like I mentioned in January and February, I was still kind of trying to piece together the route that I was going to do. So I created the route based on lots of my favorite run spots and just had to figure out how to connect lots of them, which was also hilarious. Like I do remember one time calling my husband to come and pick me up because it was like, I mean, you know, there's not as much light in the winter. So it was probably like four o'clock, 430. It's getting dark. I don't have a headlamp. I'm running on like some random street by myself. It's like raining and I've been running for way too long. Like didn't bring any gels. And I was like, I, I need to tap out here. So I did have some kind of expeditions that I needed to be recovered from. But um, for the most part, between like those weekend runs, I would kind of figure out how to connect the dots and, um, and yeah, just used all trails to kind of piece it together and create the 100k. And then from there, it was connecting with um, my friend Tom, who created the training program, and then kind of just sticking with that and checking in with him every so often to make sure that we were kind of on target for building the mileage that I needed to feel good and to be injury free for the hundred K. That's so funny. I can totally relate to that. And so what were you looking for out of the route? Like what made you decide to do the route that you did? Because it totally, like you cover a lot of ground. It's not like you did a bunch of loops or anything. It's like one big giant kind of tour of Victoria. So what were you, what were you looking for to piece together? Yeah, I mean, I was just trying to piece together, like, so for example, one of my favorite places to run is just like five minutes from my home. Like I run in Mount Doug pretty much every day when I'm running, um, other than weekends, like I'll go somewhere else, but it's just an easy loop to do. And then I sort of was like, well, how do I connect those little loops all the way out to places like Thetis Lake and like Jocelyn Hill and you can do it, but some of the like connections are not as easy. So there's a lot of like road that you kind of have to go on to get there and there is some parts of the run you know kind of on the back half closer to 60 70k that were really tricky because I was like oh like depending on which way I go I'm either doing a super technical section at this point if I run that way and it's a lot longer it's going to take way more time or I can kind of like detour and go a different way which is not as exciting but it's going to get me closer to where I need to be so it was just kind of trying out a few of those routes and to see what made the most sense for the day. Like, I mean, any given day, you could kind of find a variety of routes to get from A to B, but I was just trying to figure out what made the most sense. And like I mentioned before, just choosing a lot of my favorite places to run and kind of having it be a loop. Like some people were like, well, why didn't you just do something flat? Like, why not, why not go out and back on like the galloping goose trail? And I was like, well, that would be terrible an idea for me. Like, I would hate that. I don't love out and backs to begin with, but also on the road, I would just feel like that would be a long day. Um, so something appealed to me about almost like breaking it up into sections, like mentally, even running it, it was like, okay, that section is done. Now we're on to the next section. Like it just made it a little bit easier to um, piece it together, like even on race day. Totally, which is exactly what you're supposed to do as well, right? Like that's how we say to run every race. Uh, and then what about the logistical side of like, okay, so you're going to do this on your own, but it's very different from running 100K in a race where you don't have aid stations. So did you have a crew? Did you have people meeting you? How did you set up the actual organization of the day? 
Yes. So actually, um, as it turned out, one of my um, great friends, we run together all the time. She was kind of on the fence. Like I sort of said, this is a crazy idea. This is what I'm doing. Do you want to do it? Right. And she's such a yes person, but she was like, I'm injured. Like I'm coming back from an injury. I'd love to, but like, just give me some time. I'll think about it. So we did some of our training runs together. And, and then of course, later on in the training, she was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the whole thing. And I was like, whoa, like super pumped. Cause of course, who doesn't want to have their running buddy with them for the whole thing. So she had committed to doing the full 100, which was amazing. And both my husband and her husband and other trail running friends of ours, they um, did all the aid stations. So we had, I want to say about eight different aid stations throughout and they just kind of tag teamed it and brought all our goods and there was tons of support that day, um, not only from like our families and our friends, but like just even the community. Like there were people that, you know, I didn't know personally, but they came out because they knew the Shadleys and they were just supportive because of the whole cause. So um, it was pretty cool. Like it almost felt like if you're going to run a hundred K and this is your first one, like such an amazing experience and a very cool way to do it. Yeah, no kidding. That's so much fun. I've d- I did a a fundraising event, like I said before, and I almost thought like that was the funnest, the m- most fun part of it was how everybody can come together, and you just are like, wow, these are some pretty cool friends because it is a lot of waiting around and like organizing to see you for like three seconds and make sure that you're fed and continue to go. Um, so it's so fun to just see. I think that's kind of special around the trail com- running community too. Like I think they're just different like that. Mm-hmm. So your race had, I might be wrong on this, just going off memory, about 2,000 meters of elevation. Is that correct? I think so. You know what? I, to be honest, that wasn't even something that I was super concerned with. It was just the number that came up when I put the route together. So yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, so tell us about the actual run. How long did it take you? And did you have any highs or lows or moments where you were like, I don't know if I can do this? What was uh, the best part and the worst part? Yeah, so um, we kind of set out thinking in our heads that it would be between 12 and 14 hours. And that was like, not too sure, depending on how the day goes. As you know, like running, it just depends on the day. It could be total crapshoot. So um, going into it, we felt good. And we finished in just under 13 hours. um, And that was with, you know, like all the aid stations, everything. I didn't stop my watch. Um, So yeah, it was the full day. Like we started at about six o'clock in the morning. Um, and yeah, I mean, there were definitely like, I feel, I feel like the first part of it, obviously like most runs, you feel really good. We were super pumped up. Like we were excited. The vibe was really great. Even getting up halfway, like at 50 K we were up at the top of Jocelyn Hill, which is this beautiful lookout of Todd and And it was just such a beautiful day, like not too hot, not too cold. Um, and we just had friends running with us, like people that jumped in to join us for parts of it. So that was super fun. By about 60K is when I was like, wow, okay, we're just over halfway. We got 40K to go. And we had to do a climb up and over Mount Work. And I remember saying to my friend, Aaron, who ran the whole thing with me, I said, you know, this is probably our slowest um, climb and descent of Mount Work. Like we laughed because we, like it probably looked comical of how awkward we were moving at 60k it was like we just you know when you're you're not sure if you can trust your legs to actually catch you on the way down like it just felt that sort of awkward part 
Um, but yeah, so that didn't feel awesome, but we were still in pretty good spirits. And then by about, I want to say about 70 K is when I like hit a little bit of a lower point and just, I was not wanting to eat anymore. My stomach was kind of all over the place. And my whole game plan throughout the run had been to eat like whole food and gel. So it was kind of like 30 minutes into my run. I started with a gel and then the next 30 minutes I'd have some sort of whole food and then 30 minutes gel and just keep going. So pretty consistently making sure I was fueling and that had worked for training runs, but you know, we, none of our training runs were over however many hours we were at when we got to 60 K. And so at that point, my stomach was kind of rejecting anything um, that I was putting into it. So I just had to have a little pit stop sorted things out in the bushes and then from there it was like okay I feel like there's a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel we knew that we were coming up to Elk Lake which there is going to be we knew people were going to be coming there like some people had mentioned they were going to come meet us there and we got there and no joke it was like the best like I know that aid stations are great because you have fuel but I don't think that people understand how much an aid station gives you when it's like the people there like the energy that you get from those people cheering is so awesome. Like that lifted us up and we were like, okay, like it sounds crazy, but we're like 30 K we got this. Like, you know what I mean? Which sounds funny. Or I think at that point we were at 20 K left, but it it sounds crazy to say, we only have 20 K left, but in our minds we were like, okay, we got this like 20 K it's in the bag. Um, And so it was just that lift of people being there that really helped us kind of push through the last bit. Um, But otherwise, yeah, I mean, I think my high point would have been um, the last 3K was super special. Um, Quinn met us with his power wheelchair and he kind of scooted along as we ran. And it was just such a cool moment. And he, I mean, it was like he knew that he needed to carry the conversation a little bit, like that we were just dog tired. So, you know, he was just asking all these questions, like what's the favorite part of your run and how many people do you think are going to be at the end? And um, just super sweet. So I think that's a memory that will definitely stick with me. And like I mentioned, all the people, you know, throughout the course, like that was super special to see that many people come out and support us. So all in all, it was a great day. I don't have too many low points, um, other than that kind of like 60 K ish. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, obviously there's the usual uh, ultra runner, like chafing in weird areas where you're like, Oh, really? But that just comes with the territory. Totally. Yeah. Like you just have to expect that that's coming. But um, I love that. I was wondering if he was able to come to um, any of it. So that's super funny too, to like, that's the job of an excellent pacer. Just get their mind out of what they're feeling right now. Um, And yeah, I know what you mean by people just picking you up and that's, that's so much fun what was the response or what is the response now? I mean, I'm sure Quinn and his mom, when you said you were going to raise money, did not think that $102,000 was going to be raised. Um, I feel like you must be just kind of still absorbing that too. That's such a phenomenal amount of money. How was their response to that when you told them or when they saw that number rising? Yeah. I mean, it was interesting because leading up to the run, it was almost like we had plateaued a little bit. So I want to say we were around like the sixties and, um, you know, we got donations and stuff. We had initially kind of a news story that got us a lot of donations. And then, um, we were in the paper, like there was some stuff to start us off to get some donations, but then it kind of settled around 60 K and it was like, 
we did an auction or like a silent auction online. Um, and that created about $10,000 of donations. But then beyond that, it was like, okay, what else can we do? Like, how else can we push for this goal? Like, if we're trying to push for 100, that's still, we're like quite a ways away. $40,000 is a ways away. Um, but like leading up to race day, there was a lot more buzz and there was a lot more donations. And then um, race day was incredible. Like, I think on the day, um, there were $20,000 of donations. Like I, I remember seeing a friend at one of the aid stations and, you know, she had just this look on her face and then she kind of got teary and I was like, don't start crying. Like I can't cry yet. Um, and we just had that moment and I was like, what's going on? And she was like, don't check your phone. Like don't check the GoFundMe yet. And I was like, okay. Thinking what's happening. And her kind of vision was, she was hoping that it would be at a hundred when we finished. And I think we were about like, 98 like it was so close but it was insane like just that one day the amount of support that came in and um tons of different like amounts of donations right like there were people five dollars and there was like five thousand dollars and just all of those donations coming together really helped us reach the goal and I think yeah like you said um still a little bit in awe and like trying to soak it in that we did it and um, I think obviously his family is so, so thankful and um, they have been excited to start kind of the planning phase of getting some of the renovations done that they need to do. So hopefully that will get started later on in the summer. So that's exciting. And I mean, we have a, a Facebook group that we kind of created so people could follow along and we could post some stuff about what we're up to. And um, we're going to be hoping to have some updates about the renovation. So I feel like that will be really exciting for people to look forward to, especially seeing as they, you know, are supporting this cause. They have been supporting it since January. So totally. Yeah. That's actually really cool to be able to follow up with that. So we will definitely link to all of that in the show notes as well. Uh, since you said you're going to leave it open till the end of summer. Yes, please do. Because this will come out kind of mid late ish summer. Wow. Time goes fast. That's so crazy. Um, <laughs> So I definitely want, once we plug it out there to our listeners, for them to be able to, to help out then and see how far we can, how far we can get this fundraising. Amazing. So what about you from like a personal standpoint, after you do this run and you've had such a focus for so long, are you going to plan something else, even if it's just a, a race or maybe the Finlayson double? <laughs> Yeah, my friend Mike, who organizes that, is always in my ear about like, when are you going to do it? I'm like, oh, I don't know. That sounds really challenging. Um, but I did sign up for the 28K. I love that race. Um, and it's like just the sweet spot. Like you get all of the really beautiful points of the run. And there's obviously like Finlayson is challenging to climb, but then you don't have to do Mount Work. Like Mount Work, I'm kind of like, I have a love-hate relationship with it because I just feel like it's always hard right? Like, I mean, you know this, if you're a trail runner, there's certain parts of runs that you do all the time and you're like, it never feels easy. And that is Mount Work for me. So um, yes, I've signed up for that, which is in September. Um, I'm hoping to run the Wanda Fuca Trail this summer. Um, I think it's more like I'm in that mentality of like some adventure races, like just planning kind of a weekend with friends to run somewhere and that sort of thing, explore. I mean, we have so many beautiful places on the island and, you know, over in Vancouver, Squamish, like there's tons of places to explore. Um, but yeah, I feel like I'm not overly committed to anything 
as far as after September, like that's sort of where my mind's at, but, um, lots of things to look forward to with races opening up and there's so many cool opportunities out there. Totally. Um, that's funny. I, I'm, I'll meet you at Finless and then I'll be there doing Amazing. the 28k, but I am doing the double. So I will be far behind you, oh but I was good for you. Mike also wrote me into it. So I laughed when <laughs> you said that. Um, I know he's very convinced. Oh, so funny. But I've never done my work, so I'm just kind of going to go in and think that maybe ignorance is bliss, but now you're making me think that maybe I should come over there and check it out. <laughs> well, no, like I don't want to scare you. I think it's like in my head, like it's a little bit of like, you know, I've got this mind thing about Mount Work, but it's actually like Finelson is way harder than Mount Work, like the climb that you're doing. And I think for me, it's like in my mind, I'm like, oh, but Mount Work is almost runnable. There's just some sections that are kind of for me at least, that like, I'm like, those sections challenge me because I'm like, can I run to that point or do I have to like walk? And I just feel like I'm not there yet. My fitness is not, um, not allowing me to run Mount work fully yet. So maybe we'll get there. I get that. I can relate to that for sure. Like there's the gross grind. I'm sure you've done it. It's like Mm -hmm. just the most terrible thing on the planet, but you go in knowing that you're going to power hike for however long you're not Mm -hmm. like, you don't have to think that you might Run and it. that's Finelson, exactly. You you yeah. are power hiking Finelson. Like there's no chance. I mean, I guess maybe the elites. I don't know. But and like there's literally like rocks near the top, and you're climbing, so you're totally. not running that section. And so, but. is your um, does your husband trail run? No, well, I mean that's kind of a funny story because he did the fifty miler with me. Um, he's a soccer player, and so he was like finished playing varsity soccer, and he was like, "Well, if I want to spend time with you, then I'm gonna have to run with you." And so he did the fifty miler with me, and then basically like hated running from that point on. Um, so it was a it was a long day for him, and well, and for all of us that ran, but um, it was not his favorite. Thing to do so he definitely is super supportive of my crazy running adventures and he's like but you know what I'm gonna stick around at home and take care of the boys and you go do your thing so he's happy to not have to go up for crazy long runs he'll he'll join me for shorter ones but nothing crazy oh that's funny your husband sounds a lot like mine <laughs> doesn't um, like running <laughs> well he, I was like you can do this off the couch and we did a 90k in Switzerland for our honeymoon and he, it was a long day for him <laughs> And I didn't know if we were going to come back married or not. I know. Um, that's love. You know, when you find yeah. somebody that really supports what you do, not only because they are like supporting you from the side, but they're like, sure, I'll do this with you because I really love you. And then you're like, oh, you do really love me because that was terrible for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was very terrible for you, but it was an adventure. Yeah. He, I follow him around on skis now and he takes me to scary places. So I think we like pay each other back every season, I guess is how it goes. Yeah. You're like, tag, you're it. I'll do something that's hard. (laughs) Exactly. And how old are your kids? I have a five and a two and a half year old. So your hands are full for sure with those ones, hey? Yeah. I mean, it's busy, but fun. Um, So yeah, we're, we're kind of always busy and it, you know, you do have to really plan out as you know, with the training piece of okay, like if I get up this early, then maybe they won't be up until this time. And it's just sort of trying to be strategic about that, to be fair. Because as you know, like taking that time for training, it takes away from like other things you can do as a family or that your partner can do. So just trying to be fair about that stuff. It can be tricky to try to juggle it all. Totally. And I, I actually, it's really nice to hear people say that because my friends that don't have kids are sometimes 
in a nice way, just like, oh God, you're so organized. And I'm like, no, but if I'm not, then I won't Mm -hmm. actually get to do these things. Like you said, you have to kind of be thinking ahead of how you can make that time work. And you said it at the beginning as well, that like, there's not, you're more efficient with your time. Like no longer do I put on my running shoes and find out that I want to like clean out my closet because I'm delaying getting for that run. You're like, I've got an hour. So I'm out the door the second that hour starts, you know? Yes. And also like having friends that also have kids and you're meeting them for a run, it's like, you chit chat on your run. You're not like stopping to chit chat after to stretch. It's like stretching. What is that? Like I'm meeting for a run and then I'm like, okay, going home. And then if I get to stretch while like my kids are eating breakfast, that's cool. But for the most part, it's like, this is my window. You go and get it done. Yes. Survival. One question that we do get from listeners quite often before we wrap up here, because I feel like you're doing a very good job of it, is that they have these big goals, but they feel like they don't have time or they're not sure that they will be able to train enough to do an adventure one. And you mentioned briefly that um, you didn't always run 100K, but you probably did a few weeks or got pretty close to it consistently for a while. What are your best kind of tips for people who are working full-time, have small kids, have a busy schedule? How did you uh, make it work? Um, I think you just want to find something that's sustainable for you. So for me, it was getting up early. Like that really worked with our family for me to do my training early and I could commit to that. And I mean, it definitely helped having the schedule prepared ahead of time. So I knew what my week would look like. I mean, it was essentially all built and we kind of just catered it to if like we needed to change days or something like that. But um, I knew what I was looking at and that helped with the planning piece. Um, and I think when you're motivated to do something enough, you will do whatever it takes to make it happen. Like, um, I think that is one of the things I love about running is that you just pick something that you get excited about and then the training is easy. Um, I mean, relatively speaking, you still put in the effort, but you're, you're then excited. Like, even if you have to do a run in the rain or it's a crappy day, it's like, no, this is all leading up to that big goal. So I always find like picking a goal first and then I kind of work backwards and like, okay, how am I going to make this happen? Um, That seems to work best for me. Totally. I love that. And I think you're absolutely right. I say that all the time. Like if it is important to you, suddenly you realize that you have an hour of like looking at Instagram at night or whatever it be. Right. And that there are ways to make it work. And sometimes once you get going, it's not actually as scary as we think it's going to be or take as much time. Mm -hmm. Uh, so when you say you're waking up early, how early? Oh, like I'm probably running at six every morning or just oh, before. Okay. So, so not, that's really, but it's not, it's not like going to kill no, you. Early. It's recent. No, it's not, it's not insanely early. Like by the time I get home, I mean, that's like during the week, by the time I get home, the boys are up and they're getting ready for breakfast and school and all that sort of stuff. Um, but the weekends like can be more flexible because we don't have to really be anywhere. We're lucky enough. We're both teachers. So we have the weekends off. So that's kind of nice, but I still being mindful of like, I don't want to eat up a whole day. Like a long run does sometimes take a whole day. So trying to get out early enough that I come back and it's at least like I have half a day with them. Um, But yeah, so no, I can't complain. Like I know there's people that get up crazy early, like 4am. I'm not one of those people. (laughs) I will train. I can run in the dark in the morning throughout the winter. Not my favorite, but I can do that. And that's, you know, like 545, six o'clock start works for me. Yeah, I can, I can relate. I can relate to a lot of things that you're saying. This is funny. I'm I know. Saying, I feel like we should run the 28K together. Yeah. We well, out, I think. Come out early and uh, if you I'll, want I'll to show give you me... work. Yes, actually. That would be amazing. 
Um, because I looked at trying to put that route myself and I was like, this, this is not going to work. I'm going to end up running in circles for sure. It's confusing. So two quick last questions before we get going. Does your five-year-old know how far you ran? Oh, he's so funny. So, I mean, I, I think like he has some concept, but then he, in the same breath told me that like, well, mom, like Peppa Pig there was this other character that ran a whole long time and ran more than you. And I was like, pardon? I was like, what? I don't even know what Peppa Pig show this was. I don't even know if it's true, but the fact that he said it, like it was comical. And I was like, okay, thanks. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I mean, it was, he was kind of like, oh, so like you don't have to do any more of those runs anymore. Like the really, really long ones. And I was like, no, like I was just doing the one really, really long one. I don't have to do them anymore. But his like idea was like, but you don't have to go out on the weekends for so long. And I was like, Aww. right, I get that. So super sweet, right? Like what they think of. Um, but no, I, I mean, I don't think most kids, like even my grade two and three classes here, they were super sweet. And some of them came to the finish line and even them, they were like, so how like far is that? And I'm like trying to show them the route to give them an idea. And we're talking about like measurement and how far it is to like things that they might know. And then when it gets in their head, you're like, okay, like think about to the fairies. And you're like, think about how many times you'd have to go back and forth to get to a hundred. And they're like, whoa, like that suddenly becomes a thing for them. Totally. Okay. So I think, yeah, for my son, Luca, like he was kind of like, okay, yeah, you ran a long time. Like it just the time, not so much the distance. Oh yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. We did the same thing for, I have two stepdaughters and the five-year-old were like, it's if you went to like school and back like 906 times. Yeah. And they're like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, but that's so awesome. And I think, especially as a teacher too, like you can impact your students as a teacher, but things like this, I think they'll remember and you might not see the effects of it right now but having like examples like this in their life as they get older I think it's just going to be such a valuable experience so um yeah that's just a a really cool thing yeah thanks last question when -hmm. you finished your 100k what was the meal that you were craving oh you know what I didn't really crave a whole lot of food um I was just kind of like done with the whole eating thing but I did end up having some like thin crust pizza and it was delicious. I was like, (laughs) this is what I needed. I needed like some real food and it was like not the super greasy pizza, but it was like, I needed that. I just needed some carbs. So that was really good. Didn't really feel like having a whole lot else. So sat in the ice bath for a little bit. And then, um, I maybe, I think I maybe had a glass of champagne. I don't even really remember because I feel like it was a bit of a blur by the end of the day. Totally. Yeah. And it's almost like it's delayed onset hunger instead of muscle soreness. We call it like Dawes. It's like, yeah, you're like, Oh God, what that is so true. And for me, it was like a delay. I was like, oh, I'm not even super hungry the next day, which sort of surprised me. Like I'm like, for how many calories I probably burned, I should be hungry. But it was just like, my stomach was kind of figuring things out again. And I think by yeah, three, four days later, I was like, Oh, I'm starving. And I'm like, I cannot eat enough. And even like leading up to it, I don't know if you've experienced this with tapering. I feel like that's when I'm like, I'm famished. Like all the time. I'm like, I cannot eat enough food. I'm like, I'm like, what's going to happen? I'm going to be at the start line and I'm going to be this blimp because I keep eating all this food. But But your your body's repairing and that's when it's getting stronger. So yeah, people are like, oh, I don't need to eat much. And I'm like, no, that's when your your body's doing the work. That's when your muscles are getting stronger. So you have to. Yeah. Well, that is awesome. I'm running 100K on Friday. So it's nice to... 
Is this your first 100K? No, it's third. Third, fourth, third, fourth, somewhere wow. in there. Okay, so tell me, where are you going? Is this like a local? Yeah, it's, do you know the Baden-Powell Trail? Yes. So it's the Nienacke route. We're doing the double one of those. So it is the Van 100 route, but we're just doing it as um, like an FKT attempt. So awesome. it's similar to Finlayson in that it's like so technical, so not much running. So I think the current record is like 1637. Um, so obviously that's just a long day, right? Like mm-hmm. almost 6,000 meters of elevation. So a good a good training run for Finlayson for sure. But I mm-hmm. am not good on technical terrain. So that would be interesting. <laughs> That'll be so fun though. Like that'll be beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be super beautiful. And the person that I'm running with is very, very good and very fast. So it's always nice to like have a bit of a push. Awesome. Well, I'm sure you guys will have a blast. Well, thank you. And I can't wait to hear about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be interesting. That's for sure. If this, uh, it's supposed to get hot again. So I guess that'll be the thing. Was it super hot on your run actually? No, you know what? It was hot, like leading up to it. And I was a little bit concerned because we kind of had that spike. I think it was like Tuesday, Wednesday, where it was super warm. And I was like, if we had to run in that, I don't think we would have made it. Like it would have been too hot. Totally. Um, But then it cooled down and it was like perfect. There was like a breeze. It was sunny. It was just, yeah, it was like couldn't have asked for better weather as a runner. Oh, well, that's awesome. That's good. Yeah, because that we didn't have time to acclimatize to that either it came on so fast so it would have been a real challenge yeah so if anybody wants to donate to your GoFundMe where's the best place they can find that link um so you can just actually look up going the distance for Quinn on GoFundMe and it'll it should pop up um or you can find the, the Facebook group which is also going the distance for Quinn um and there's some links in there Okay, awesome. And I will, like I said, I'll put this in the show notes too. So if you happen to be at a computer and you can check the show notes, then the link will be there. And this should come out probably early August. So keep it live for this too. So that'll be something to think about. Awesome. It was so nice to meet you, Hillary. Thanks so much for um, taking the time out to connect with me and and allow me to share Quinn's story. And I look forward to seeing you at Finlayson and cheering you on for your double. Um, Yeah. And enjoy your next adventure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And yeah, I'm excited. I just, it's so amazing what you did for, for somebody else. So that's awesome. And thank you for taking the time on a weekend. Yeah, no problem.